This is the Bushwick Variety Show, and I'm Alex Stevens III. Greetings, neighbors, friends, citizens of the world, and conscious beings of all various types. Thank you so much for listening to the Bushwick Variety Show. Hope 2020 is treating you well so far. It's treating me pretty well. My intention for the year, I've been trying to call it putting it together or meshing. Um, yesterday, I came up with going pro. Shout out to Steve Pressfield. I was at Jen Waldman's Kickstart. Great community of creative people, creative actors looking to start off the year strong. And so far, so good for me this year. I kind of have an idea of what I'm going to be working on the next couple of months. One of them is getting back and stepping up this podcast. Um, This is the second one of the year, so this one I'm going to kick off with Alec Stevens Jr. I'm Alec Stevens III. My father is Alec Stevens Jr. He was a civil rights attorney. Um, He worked a lot on different campaigns in the Seattle area and different politics And he's been very involved with different leadership aspects of the Democrats in Seattle and Washington State. I didn't know what we were going to talk about, but he was in town, him and my stepmom, my mom. Uh, Just quick shout out to blended families. Um, I have two sets of parents. I consider them all parents and love them very much. And it was good, good time to spend with them. Um, We got to see a play. We got to see halfway bitches go straight to heaven so we were actually heading to that after that we still got a good long conversation but we did have a hard out for this one because we had to go see the play and make make curtain time i didn't know what we were going to talk about uh should be no surprise that we ended up talking about politics and while we have slightly different views we both care deeply and want to see positive change in the world so it's really interesting and fascinating to have this conversation and it was really good for me to sit and listen to to my father's perspective in depth he's a brilliant man brilliant mind love him very much and i hope you enjoy this conversation so without further ado this is alec stevens jr Let's have a conversation. So, Dad, how you doing? All right. How's it feel uh, being in New York, beginning of uh, beginning of the new year, new decade? It's great. It's great. In fact, came in on the first. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was wonderful. I don't think I've have. I don't think I've ever been to New York. Uh, nor has mom um, uh, in the during the holidays. So the closest I ever came to it was, I think, one year way back when, um, and saw the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. But you know, never really saw the the city all decked out with all of its holiday stuff. So nice. And uh, what are you looking forward to in particular for the coming year? The end of uh, the moron's reign as president. Nice. I mean, he would still be the president, but he would be on his way out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so would a whole bunch of 
what I call his sycophants who, you know, just um, find, you know, that he could do no wrong. And I, I would imagine that if, if that is to happen, um, a lot of things, a lot of things will tumble down. Um, because when they came in, uh, before he took the oath of office, any hard question was responded with, well, it really doesn't matter because we won. And that didn't answer the question about um, how to bring the country together or, or anything else. And every president has that task. You know, how do you bring the country together after an election, a change of administration? Uh, what do you say to the people who didn't vote for you? And um, there was a time, you know, I've I've both studied and been in, interested in uh, presidential politics for a long time. The very first campaign I ever uh, got involved with in at, at the age of 15 was Hubert Humphrey against Richard Nixon. Um, I can't I can't remember any president until now that didn't say. I know other people didn't vote for me, but I'm the president of everybody, and I've got to make sure I'm doing the best I can for everybody. You said you can't remember anybody ever doing that. I can't remember. I can't remember anybody in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, I actually can't remember anybody, really, when I think about it, ever doing that. Um, the closest might have been. Uh, so I want to be. I want to be careful when I say that. So certainly that doesn't, that's, that's a general statement, but certainly we had presidents um, of both parties who had no time, no belief, no consideration of anybody who wasn't white um, as citizens. So, you know, understanding that piece, um, you know, on the one hand you could say, um, just about all of them in terms of who the citizenry w were um, would say, I'm, I'm here for all of the citizens. Um, this is really kind of the first time somebody basically has said, you know, um, uh, I'm really here for those who elected me. I'm only, I'm really here uh, just to um, make sure I am fulfilling my promises to them. Um, and, and even presidents who have uh, been elected and elected during a divisive time uh, tend to change once they get into the office. They, get, they tend to see that um, the issues are not as simple as when they were a candidate. They get... Um, they get familiar with with information close up that they didn't have before. They are shared secrets that only presidents and those within those circles have, and it and it begins to change how they approach how they approach what they do. They they learn after they learn fairly quickly that yes, this is one of the most powerful positions in the world, 
So you just can't say anything you want. You just can't pop off. You just can't make statements that that don't affect other people, both in the country as well as around the world. Um, and you know this is this is a whole different this is a whole different kettle of fish. Um, but along with that, you know, we I, I've looked at some presidents. In fact, you know. Um, there were a number of us who didn't think that George W. Bush was the smartest, you know, knife in the drawer. Um, this president makes him look very good. It, it's interesting. Like, so here's a big thing. Um, of course, uh, I'm probably, my politics are probably a little bit to the left of yours. Um, but I do look at things from many different angles. And I think, so for an instance, for me, in my opinion, hands down the best president in my lifetime, I've said this multiple times, is Barack Obama. Um, now, I was born with Reagan, mm -hmm. then Bush, mm -hmm. then Clinton. Well, and Reagan, then Daddy First Bush. Bush, yeah. But then Bush again, George Bush again. Yeah. I mean, his son. Um, then Obama. And then now Trump. Um, so it's not a lot of those, like, I remember being at rallies about stuff Reagan was doing. Yeah. So it's kind of more of my life has been more presidents who, like, yeah, we really don't agree with. Yeah. That said, like, with Barack Obama, like, who I do think, um, I think personally and this is like one of my big issues with trump period and as a leader is i do think that anybody who runs for that office and gets that office needs to be open to being critiqued so i don't think obama was perfect um however i will say and this is something i think is true about obama and actually i do have respect for George W. Bush about with Obama being the first black president, um, that could have been a really volatile time. Um, and I saw George W. Bush, um, kind of, he, he invited Obama to the white house sooner than normal yeah. and kind of understood for all of George W. Bush's faults. He understood the magnitude of that moment. And I think he handled that very well. Yeah. Like, and he handled the handoff of the presidency very well, amicable. Um, and then President Obama for like any critiques, like the drone stuff, and there are things I have critiques about, uh, the mass surveillance, sure. because now in the wrong hands, you see how, how dangerous some of those things are. Um, that said, with President Obama, he faced more obstruction than any president I've ever seen in history. I mean, maybe you go back to the Civil War, um, but one on ideological issues, Republican versus Democrat, you know, this very real division that we're having, but then obviously pretty blatantly the whole time, just outright racism yeah. where senators did not give him the respect that every president gets. Yeah. And what I think one of Obama's things that he might be the best president of all time to do is, um, there's supposed to be. And I think this, it's like we're learning there are customs and that there aren't actual laws on some of these things. Mm -hmm. um, 
but there's a way that you're supposed to be when you hold that office. Like there's a, or there's a way that I think most people would want people to be. And that's kind of respectful. Um, It's kind of carry that position with the way you'd want like a coworker, a boss, like anybody like to be even tempered, respectful in the face of, you know, even if people are, being disrespectful to you to be strong and hold your position, but like to be respectful at the same time. And I think one Obama was just really great at that. Like, I think he's like, he's a, he's a master politician. Um, but then also the obstruction and just the disrespect that he had, he was really (laughs) facing a lot and still had poise. I think poise is the word I was looking for. Well, that's the thing. How do you, how do you handle that um and and of course um michelle obama said it best i mean and actually they lived it when, when they go low we go high mm-hmm. um but it was jimmy carter uh southern president i mean from the deep south from georgia and i remember so, in fact, you know, you talked about Reagan. Well, uh, Jimmy, when he was the president, um, he became very unpopular. Uh, and some of, what, some of it was he was struggling with the economy. Uh, some of it, for those of us, so I'm also on the left. The question is how far, you know, between us. But some, some of us, I mean, I was furious with him about not um, cutting the defense budget as he had promised to do when he when he ran. Um, but again, what I say is, you know, you understand that when people get in, they see other things that 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 may make them take a different course. But anyway, he got pounded by by Reagan. He, I mean, he lost very very badly. And he then, I think it was about a year into Obama's first term, and uh, Clinton wouldn't say this, but Jimmy did, which was, he said, you know, when I was least popular, I still was given a great deal of respect that Barack Obama is not given. And then he said, and there's only one reason, and that's his race. You know, he Jimmy Jimmy puts it out there, you know, and, and doesn't doesn't mince words um, about the issues of, of of race, and you know, I mean, so did Clinton in his own way. But to say it, and to say, and to have have him say it as opposed to Obama ever saying it, because actually, I think a number of his detractors. Were waiting on him, and in fact, they did. When when he would speak out on certain issues, at times, they would pounce on him as playing the race card. Now, what I loved about um, and love about Barack Obama is once he took that stand, he then said, "No, you know, this is a truth," and then he would explain, you know, what that truth was and what that truth is, and especially he did it 
um, on on the whole issue of police and police um, uh, uh, abuses, yeah. uh, you know, to to communities of color. He was he was real strong in that area and uh, and said no no we're not going to just look the other way. Um, there are there are laws against this that includes laws against police um, taking these extremes and and we're going to have consent decrees. So in in uh, your own hometown, Seattle, uh, we still are under a consent decree um, regarding police violence and police abuses against people of color, um, and you know and that's kind of the legacy. One of the legacies of, of Obama. The other one, of course, is is healthcare, uh, Obamacare, if you will, but but healthcare. And um, this is one, you know, in terms of greatness. Um, after Medicare, which was which was passed um, by Lyndon Johnson, one of my favorite presidents again, but because of the whole. A whole range of civil rights laws. Um, nobody, nobody else was able to do it. Um, there was a time that Ted Kennedy, uh, Nixon actually tried to do a deal with Ted Kennedy, and Ted wouldn't go along because because he and and actually Nixon was kind of toying with a a Medicare for all kind of approach. But Kennedy wouldn't do it because it wasn't going to cover everybody. It was going to be universal. And Kennedy later on said, you know, that was the dumbest thing, one of the dumbest mistakes I ever made. And he said that after 30 years of nothing else happening. Um, and so for Obama to use all of his uh, political capital in his first term, in his first two years of his first term, to get... Obamacare was a big thing because the Clintons had tried and failed um, miserably, and and most others didn't even try anymore. And so, you know, that's a big thing. But you know, people talk about um, the 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 great economy we have. Well, I I I really get my back up against this because um, this man. Um, takes credit for this great economy. Well, it's actually the Obama economy um, because the, the, the entire economy was, was really in, in, in the ditch um, or worse when he came in and was able to uh, turn that around. And, um, I mean, you know, people talk about the... the uh, Dow Jones now at 28,000. Well, if you can consider that it was around 20,000 before things went to hell in a handbasket under Bush, it got down to 7,000. I mean, I mean, th this is just how far and how low it had gotten. And by the time Obama left, it was about at 25,000. But no one gives him any credit for overseeing, um, overseeing those things. So, you know, uh, and, and right, well, right now as we're talking, um, Iran and 
you know, it, it looks like we have, we have uh, started a war, stepped into or, a war mm-hmm. uh, that was totally, totally unnecessary. Um, and, and that's with the whole idea of unraveling. So we unravel the peace accord. We unravel the, the whole idea about Iran um, moving away from its nuclear, um, it, its, its nuclear testing and, and things like that. And everybody else saying, hey, they are complying. Um, I heard somebody today saying that there was this point. Yeah, it was tough. But we actually had um, diplomatic relations with Iran. And then this man comes in, and just because he doesn't like it, I mean, he has an, he has an, Obama, he has an Obama problem. Actually, he has an Obama problem and a Hillary problem. An Obama, like, complex. Yeah. Call it. yeah. yeah. Where, you know, and it's like, what, whatever, whatever they did, that I'm going to undo it, and I'm not even going to ask any questions. You know, I guess the, the other thing I guess I would say about this person, um, so there was one time there was this, this president named Harding who people say, you know, wasn't, you know, again, was pretty dull, not very bright, et cetera, et cetera. But this guy will not listen to advisors, will not, um, I mean, to have an, an, igor- an ignorant narcissist is, is really probably the most dangerous thing we have, and that's what we have. We have somebody who, in fact, will say, I, I, look, I, I don't have a, I don't understand, I, I can't tell you why, I just believe what I believe. And even if, you know, all these other advisors tell me this information, I have it in my head about how it's going to be, and that's what it is. And, um, and th- there's very little you can you can do with that. And that's and that's and th- not only is that dangerous and deadly, um, but again, when we talk about respect, um, the the people who are supposed to give oversight, the the Congress, I am I am. I don't know if we call it mystified or what, but the people who generally are known to be skeptical and have an understanding of a number of these issues, I have watched them, and that's that's uh, that's Lindsey Graham, that's uh, that's um, Mitch McConnell. I mean, but there are just a number of people who seem to have forgotten everything they know. And now just just go along with with what this man thinks or believes, and uh, with no questions, no questions whatsoever. And it's 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 pretty tough. Well, it seems like only for like the trade, it's like literally just to make money. Like to make money seems to be it. But that money's not like the the overall economy isn't winning. But like certain people, certain shareholders, I've been uh, listening to a lot of business podcasts actually lately. Mm-hmm. And one of them, there's this guy Simon Sinek and this other guy Seth Godin. They kind of say the same thing in two different ways, but it's basically pushing back 
against the idea that, and they're, they're like, it's a really bad, I think it was Milton Friedman or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people have been buying this idea that didn't ex- really exist before him and was, they're kind of making the argument. It's wrong from the first, it's wrong from the outset. The idea that, um, if you're a CEO, the mo- most important person who you owe, you know, everything to is the shareholders. Um, because the problem with that is like, what about the customer? Yeah. Um, and then also the other problem about that, and this is what they talk about a lot is like, what about the people that work for you? Mm-hmm. When you put the shareholder ab- above the people that work for you and above the customer, you start hurting the people that work for you. Um, and you start like selling an inferior product or whatever that is to your customer. Um, and then eventually you weaken your entire company. Yeah. Like it's not, it's not long-term thinking. Um, right. and it's, and that well, there's a better way to do it. Well, that's, I mean, that's in part why we had the financial crisis, um, in nineteen in in two thousand and seven, um, I mean, with, with hedge fund, uh, with hedge fund folks and others selling junk bonds. I mean, but in 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 incredible, incredible bundles that one wouldn't have even thought of before. So that's how the housing crisis um, uh, really really went crazy. I mean, um, actually selling mortgages to people who, who couldn't afford, couldn't afford the mortgage or couldn't afford when the adjustments were going to take place. So they got in and they were, they were sold uh, a, a mortgage that they could handle if it remained where it was. Almost selling it... Um, as a fixed rate, but it wasn't a fixed rate, um, and selling junk. Um, and But the idea was, well, yeah, it's junk, but um, because so much is being fueled by how much I can sell, not what the actual value of the thing is I'm selling, when it was then time to talk about the valuation, that's when... Um, things fell apart, mm-hmm. um, and so again, uh, now I have a I have a whole issue um, about some of that, which is uh, I I want the Glass Steagall law put back in place, which yeah. basically separated um, investments from banks. I mean, not, not having them all in the same place um, with everything all tied up tied up together um but we we have a lot of other things like that you know um i basically contend that um i say democrats fall in love but republicans fall in line and what what i mean by that is when i look at the last election okay um for the people who did not like hillary and couldn't come to Hillary. The people who didn't like Trump still came to Trump. I mean, I mean, especially I'm not talking about I'm not talking about the the 
the marginal difference. I'm talking about the so-called bedrock Republicans who said they wouldn't go for Trump, but did in the end go for Trump. And But then Trump did for them what um, they expected, which was you know, his biggest, so if Obama's biggest accomplishment in his first two years was Obamacare and health care for uh, millions of more Americans, not everybody, but certainly um, an, a huge increase of, of people. Yeah, like, who, I mean, I can say from it. the New York, like, people working in the service industry, actors, a lot yeah. of actors working in yeah. the service industry, um, People during that time, most of us had like were able to have health care yeah. during that time, and now again it's like a well, mess. Well, because they 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 because the Republicans keep yeah. pulling away, trying to tear it down. But what I was what I was saying is, um, so what's the major thing that happened under the Trump administration in the first two years? Well, the the tax yeah. cut, mm-hmm. but the tax cut was the tax cut for the wealthy. Yeah. The tax cut was a tax cut for the 1%. So they made money on top of money that they didn't need to make. Well, that's what I was talking about as far as why Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell. It's like basically, well, literally, you've sold your soul yeah. well, for... Yeah, they kind of sold their soul, but they, they've also, they also have somebody who... Has no center, so they also. So, what, what was the deals he made? Uh, one was the tax cut, then it was, I'm gonna have the most conservative judges. I mean, so McConnell kept um, uh, Merrick Garland from even getting a hearing to become uh, a justice. Um, but he's now, he is one of my least favorite people, yeah. But now, I mean, they're not only putting people in the Supreme Court. They are putting, I mean, hundreds of judges of judges in the federal court system. Hundreds that, by the way, they intentionally um, blocked. They blocked a number of appointments that Obama was trying to make and legally had the right and duty to make, and they blocked those. And now they're flooding them with with. Uh, they, they've got people on, um, and, and every once in a while something will come up, like they will ask uh, somebody who wants to be a, a federal appellate judge, well, um, have you ever done a case in federal court? Well, no. Well, they'll ask, well, what do you understand about this particular federal rule? And this person will fumble and fumble. The American Bar Association will rate them unqualified, and they put them in anyway. They get them in anyway. So that's that's another area. Then of course, on the on the whole front of so you're talking about your companies that are just doing it for a buck, and who cares about the uh, who cares about the consumer or the citizen? So environmental regulations are being completely obliterated. Um, uh, 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 regulations on safety of products are being overlooked. Uh, you have more examples of the foxes guarding the hen house. 
you have more examples of people. So you have uh, coal industry um, executives who are now um, running uh, the, the environmental, yeah. yeah, the Environmental Protection Agency. I mean, you you got um, you got this level of craziness, and that Trump can get with because it's all for him about the money, just the money. How much can be made? How much will work for me? And uh, there you have it. So that being said, we're in this mess now. Um, and for that to happen, so that's another thing, though. So the Republicans fall in line. Democrats, Democrats fall, fall in love. love. That's an interesting thing, though, because I think here's the counter argument to that or yeah. my critique of the Democrats. Yeah. Um, and what happened in 2016. And what I was trying to like warn about, of course, I'm like, I'm a Bernie Sanders guy. Mm -hmm. Um, and one thing a lot of people, I think forgot, cause a lot of people still blame Bernie. And, um, if you look back when Hillary Clinton suspended her campaign, it was also in June mm -hmm. of 2000, like for the 2008 election mm -hmm. and people forget just how contentious mm -hmm. that campaign was at one yeah. point. And that happens. And I remember people yeah. saying um, that like if Obama won the nomination, that they weren't going to vote yeah. for him and this and that and the other. Um, and one of the things I was trying to tell the Hillary Oops. supporter friends yeah. is like, you have now won the nomination. Yeah. Stop going like, yeah. like first. And, and also the problem was, for a lot of, so the thing with like Bernie Sanders supporters is um, he has a huge youth like support base. Yeah. And so some of those people were first time voters yeah. and some of them felt disenfranchised. Yeah. Um, and so just whoever wins the nomination, like, yeah, you want the other side to, to get behind, but the winner has to be the one to really like put the olive branch and really make those concessions. And that's something that, like, I don't know what the conversation was. I mean, we kind of do, but that Barack Obama had with Hillary Clinton, like, Barack Obama's the one who made the concessions to her yeah. to smooth that part over. That being said, though, what I was going to say is the, the Democrats falling in love. One of the things, actually, that people more to, like, the left of the party have, like, frustrations with about the Democrats is not falling in line or not seeming to have a line, seeming to um, compromise too much, like too far all the time with mm. Republicans to the point where the center line of politics, like with the two-party system, seems to be being pulled more and more to the right because too many Democrats like play this middle-of-the-road thing, mm -hmm. whereas Republicans, there are moderate republicans um i don't know what that means anymore but um no, i don't they don't know what that means yeah anymore either. but you know what i mean like like the the and so i guess what i'm saying by that is like even like the clintons and stuff mm -hmm. like that even obama even like people that are it's the game of politics or whatever but like for the clinton administration for example there was a lot of like on an economic standpoint it like socially um more liberal 
Mm-hmm. But economically, actually, Clinton was a little bit more conservative, and some of his economics were a little bit like Reaganomics with a with a more liberal social bent. And, and what I'm getting at here is like deregulation. Too yeah. much deregulation yeah. happened under him. Yeah. And the problem is that then, <laughs> now that you have where we are now, we have this monster, yeah. um, and there's no regular like like it's yeah. just a free-for-all yeah you know so so um so the first thing i i, w- I would say and i'm uh i could say i was a lifelong democrat that isn't t- entirely true so i also had my time when i was kind of done with the democratic party uh, but i wasn't looking for another party Mm-hmm. Uh, because I actually, I actually believe some of our myths, and I don't mean that as a falsehood, but things we believe in, um, we believe as Americans in a two-party system. If you look at our history, um, there there are rare moments when there are three parties, and in those rare moments, it really means the death of one and 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 a new thing is gonna develop the last time that actually happened was was the birth of the republican party but what was um, the the party before the whigs the whigs the whigs for for and there were whig there were whig presidents um and of course some of this the other thing that was festering and just festering around that time was the question of slavery mm-hmm. and what to do about slavery. Yeah. And, and, and kind of the Whigs kind of wanted it both ways. Mm-hmm. Um, my view now, I, I live in Washington State, but I come from Florida. And a whole lot of my formation was um, dealing um, not only in Florida, but kind of throughout the South. And I would say that um, what looks left to the Northeast and the West is not necessarily what looks left down South. Okay? Um, But the struggle is just as harsh, just as difficult. Um... So my, my view, and, and my view is, and I, uh, I'll just share with you, and maybe that will change. I don't, I believe this is a um, center-right country. It is not even a center, center country. It's a center-right country. I say that because this is a country that for almost half of its existence had slavery. For almost half of its existence, you know, the whole idea of manifest destiny actually meant overrunning other people who um, they didn't discover Texas. They took Texas. Um, And and these are things that um, just in terms of of dealing with the issue of race is, is going to take a whole lot because there's a whole lot of, um, at times, I think, intentional 
um, propagation of ignorance. You know, we, we, we make this all, we talk about the melting pot, but we don't talk enough even about how we have treated not only immigrants and people of color, but immigrants who, were, who are, quote, now white. Um, because some of that treatment was something of the same. But, but, but the story of Chinese and, and you know, bringing Chinese to the country to help build the railroad, once that's done, then a number of the states saying, oh no, now we've got to have the Chinese Exclusion Act. Thank you for your work, now get the hell out. You can't have land. The, the whole idea of the Japanese internment was, was not just an idea about we fear um, Japan, it was also an idea about we're gonna take successful Japanese businesses, farms, you know, and property, and we're going to put people away and take their take their stuff. Same thing about uh, the Southwest. I mean, you know, it is really it is really interesting when people tell Hispanics in the Southwest, go back where you came from, and they're like, saying, "Excuse me, th that's right. This is where I come from." But that being said, I'm now. I, I, I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm just at this place. Um, where so, for example, in six in seventy two in Florida, we had our first primary, uh, presidential primary, and I was for Muskie, and people were for McGovern, and people were for you know all these other credible candidates, and that election night, George Wallace mm -hmm. won the state, and you know, and we had all been chopping at people, each other. Now, also, um, I felt insulted by some of the McGovernites, you know, because I was yeah. from Muskie. But when it was over, and I'm talking about me personally, when it was done, I campaigned for George McGovern. No question about it. Um, four years later, we all got together, and we got behind Jimmy Carter. And one of the biggest reasons was we needed to make sure that Wallace didn't get going again. And we stopped him. All I'm saying this time is we all, we all have to hang together or we will hang separately. Yeah. And, it, you know, this, we cannot have this man for four more years. The damage he has done. Um, well, that's something I like, but again, like it's interesting because the Bernie bone. And so what I would say, so that you're, so that, so that I'm crystal clear, mm -hmm. if it is Bernie, I'm there. If it is Elizabeth, I'm there. I've told you I like Joe, but, um, you know, it's to me, any of the field, mm -hmm. uh, when I look at what, what our, even our quote, most conservative um, candidates. Who do you think say, our most conservative candidate is? Well, at, at least on some on some things, um, I get trouble with Tulsi Gabbard. Hmm. Um, on some things, you know, 
It's actually, interesting. Though. Actually, I, actually, I, I, you know, I actually believe that on a whole lot of the whole field. So here's here's my take again. Um, all of them are acceptable to me, and um, so I don't fear a Bernie uh, getting the nomination. Um, because my truth is, it doesn't matter who, because they're going to call any and all of the Democrats socialists. They're going to use that. That, in fact, that is his. That is his only his play, and he's he's put it out there. Democrats hate America. Democrats want to have um, open borders. Democrats, uh, of course, want to take all your guns. I mean, if you think about all of the fear statements that he makes, uh, uh, Democrats hate America. They hate the police. They, I mean, he 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 puts it out there. He doesn't. He doesn't. You know, he yes, he's right now kind of focusing on Joe because he thinks Joe might get it, but. Um, his play is not going to change because he, he can't, he cannot, he doesn't have any other cards. He can't. Well, it's not only he has any other cards. Th- this is not a deep thinker. Mm-hmm. So the, the thing about him that is kind of crazy is he's visceral. The thing he knows better than that. Probably if I had to give him not a, um, statement of admiration, but his biggest positive, which is in, in the way we take in our information, he is a master manipulator. He is the flim-flam man. He will do anything. He will say anything. Since he's a narcissist, he has no shame. There's nothing shameful about him. Uh, you catch him in a lie, he tells you he didn't say that. And, and then he has people around him who actually say no? He he didn't. Who who know better? No, he actually didn't say that. Well, and then so, you have Rudy Giuliani who will well, double down and go even further well, with what he. Yeah, but they all but they all are they all are doing it. I yeah. mean, I look at Ted Cruz, who who you know this man called out his father. And said his father, and the way he does it, it's it's you know. Though some people say that you know Ted Cruz's dad was a part of knew Oswald and was a part of the Kennedy assassination, and you say, what are you talking about? But he uses, you know, some people say, um, somehow or another, and 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 we all just have to have to do everything we can to both sing in one voice. And reach across to our fellow Americans to 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 say, look, you are not my enemy, because um, that's also one of the biggest challenges we have, not only in this election, but in other elections. Um, when we're talking about labor rights, when we're talking about um, when, when we're talking right now, um, so I have kind of watched, and you may. Correct me, I may be wrong, but but I watched a number of very young people believing that they're better off 
being independent contractors. Now, my problem with that and my concern with that is, well, that sounds good initially, but when the company is, is huge and when the company says, okay, that's great, but if you have any issues, we will go into arbitration. I think um, it's not just the people choosing to be independent contractors. And this is like part of the whole, like the what I was talking about with like the shareholders and companies putting their shareholder above everything else. That includes like employees. So it's like people aren't being, people are being hired like for contracts, um, not the bet like they're lowballing like a lot of the bigger companies lowball people yeah um and then it's like with the promise of one to three years and then they will like they treat everybody as expendable Uh and so it's not that people want necessarily that it's this this is just the landscape people have like most people don't have um these days most people like don't like it, it and it's not dependent on edu- like it is a little bit dependent on education but not really like most people like just the jobs the average lifespan of a job is not what it used to be and there's less benefits and but the question then comes at least in my head um when did the idea of a union lose favor I don't think it has. I think they've just been so weakened. Because even, well, yeah, but even, and so I I would put that out there. In fact, I would say to some young people, look, there were even certain unions, some unions that tried to get started that were not so so craft-focused as opposed to the amalgam of work focus. Um, So I, I think about... Actually, and this may sound funny, but, but, you know, when I begin to look at the Teamsters, um, because they began to do more organizing, uh, there's SEIU now, the Service Employees International Union. Um, Actually, the CIO itself was originally um, the Congress of Industrial Workers. Um, But to get back to this point where we've got to know We've got to band together to actually speak with one voice to um, to business to to management, and um, and even though supposedly, well, you know, I'm I'm a lawyer, so I'm in this crazy place, but my tendencies have always been uh, labor tendencies, and and just, and just what I know is a number of the, there are a number of things we have. That are actually because of unions, uh, the 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 40-hour work week, um, actually, generally having weekends off and things like that were were things that 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 unions uh, did, and you know when I look at the other fights we have to have, um, but again, even this election, talking to those very people. So if there was a criticism that I would I would agree with and you know in critique of of Hillary's campaign, uh, it was especially not going to those states. Yeah, but actually not reaching out, especially uh, 
and the whole idea of so this idea of targeting voters and targeting voters in a way that I only talk to the people right. who already agree with me. Yeah. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. I mean, give the people who agree with you the information that they need to have and keep them. But you want to go after, and there is low-hanging fruit of the people who say they don't agree with you. But what they're really saying is, as as you mentioned, you know, young people, as what they're really saying is, nobody really cares about me. Now, they bought into a bill of goods. I mean, so if you think about it, uh, so they bought into a a billionaire. No, they bought into a claimed billionaire. Um, and they bought into, oh yes, this person who's never done anything in government is going to, has all of the answers, knows everything there is to know, um, you know, and and will and will deliver for me, and what he what he tapped into was their anger, and he tapped into repeating their anger, and then he lied. I think and, it also like a lot of people didn't show up is also the other thing that happened. Yeah. So people were angry and yeah. then didn't show up. Yeah. Um, we almost have to wrap this up. Unfortunately, I didn't know we were going to talk about politics. I shouldn't have been. <laughs> I shouldn't have been surprised, though. I'm not surprised in hindsight. Um, but I guess um, let's close it by. Um, with all that being said, are you hopeful for the future, and why? Absolutely. And why? Um, well, without hope, I mean, what's the point? Um, and without hope and a belief that we all can make a difference. And so we do what we can. You know, not everybody can do the great thing, but they can, they can do something. Um, you know, I used to believe... For example, and I hear people say, well, if you don't vote, you can't complain. And I disagree with that. Uh, My biggest thing is get involved. Be involved. Now, this time around, yeah, you need to vote. uh, Because we don't need to look the next day and take it to the streets that, you know, that he's not my president. Well, let's let's make that difference. Um, But... But st- stay at it, and uh, and I will, I do. I you know it's 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 just uh, one of my biggest um, things is um, is to make a difference, to make a difference in the world, and I think I've told you before. Now you know, yeah, yeah I'd love to make that big difference, and but that may not be the thing. Um, so some of the difference is um, doing my best to encourage you. Um, some of the difference is sharing um, what I know. Um, a- after the election, uh, I, had, I had already served as chair of my Democratic dis- district. Well, it was about to fall apart. And 
the old man came back to chair the district again, to bring it together again. Um, and so you do what you can to try to make things, no, not to try, to make things better than you found them. You know, and, and with not only my children, but now seeing my grandchildren, uh, doing, doing my best to be uh, both a example um, and passing on what I know. Well, thank you very much for sitting down, talking with me, um, sharing. I love you. Love you, son. Proud of you. Proud of you. Um, is there anywhere, like, do you have a website or anything? Or I don't. <laughs> and maybe that's something we can talk about that um, I may need to do, but, yeah. but I don't. Cool. Well, let's go see this play. Okay. <laughs> thank you. So that was my conversation with Alex Stevens Jr., my dad. Had a good conversation, and we had a great time at the play. Halfway Bitches Go Straight to Heaven by one of my favorite playwrights, Stephen Adley Gurgis. That was at Atlantic Theater Company, collaboration with Labyrinth Theater Company. Um, I look forward to seeing what happens with that play in the future because it was, it was great. And while looking forward into 2020, I am also hopeful. Um, I am healthily skeptical about certain things, and I'm concerned about the fires burning around the world, and I'm concerned about some of the negativity I see, but, you know, just trying to be a light myself and do what I need to do. But, yeah, I have to be an optimist, so I hope you will, too. If we don't have much time left, then let's make the most of it. But let's uh, let's make the world that we envision. Let's make the world that we know is possible. What is isn't what has to be, but we have to make it what we want it to be. So I hope you will jump into this year and make the things that you see in your heart a reality. And I will be here I will show up here and do my best. Love you. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. Have a great year. Peace.